And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Until Saturday, the Athletics College Football Podcast. Be sure to follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way, new episodes reach you as soon as they're released. You can also drop us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate it. And as a reminder, you can check out Until Saturday on YouTube. Just hit subscribe so you know when new videos are published. And uh, this is not a, a live video show because I think otherwise we may have had to run out to Ann Arbor to go find a boiled hot dog, some actually beautifully looking crispy chicken tenders, um, a subpar hot dog bun, mac and cheese that may or may not be good, can't really tell from this angle, and a uh, looked to be a very stale chocolate chip cookie because that's what Elijah Dotson tweeted from Michigan's recruiting event at the big house. That's what they fed recruits, and I know, Ari, you have some thoughts. Yeah. Um, first of all, you can tell that that bun had been uh, in a, f- a fridge or freezer scenario. And it's just like still cold and it's falling apart. But I think that the chicken tenders look really good. Like I don't know. I think it's a good chicken tender to me. Um, and people, the, the tweet, the recruit um, who tweeted it is a three-star prospect, Elijah Dotson out of Detroit. And I think he was just like excited to be there and he tweeted his plate. And now it has 4 million impressions on Twitter of people absolutely roasting uh, Michigan for this barbecue. Now, here are my two quick takes on that, Nicole, and then we can get into more pressing matters. But one, I think it's a perfectly fine plate. That hot dog does look subpar, especially the bun, which is like already split open. Don't you hate that when you have a hot dog and the bun slips through it before yep. you even take a bite? Yep. That's awful. Yep. Um, but the chicken tenders look great. The mac and cheese probably hits, and whatever cookie that is, is a cookie. So I've never met a bad cookie. Um, but the more important take, I think, is that if this is your number one recruiting event of the year and you're a university that's got a recruiting budget that could buy the Pentagon, maybe just try a little bit harder. You know, that that's my thing. It's like, I'm not going to make fun of the, the kid for enjoying it um, or posting it, whatever. I, I just think that, you know, this is the big blowout event of the year. This is the big barbecue, you know, the Michigan barbecue is a big deal. You know, maybe, maybe try a little harder. I don't know. What, what Would you eat that plate? I, I would eat the plate uh, because... I do love some chicken tenders and they do look delicious. I would just get some barbecue sauce, dip them into that would be, this would be good. A couple of people made this point, but the plate is very beige and a lot of good food in the world is beige. A Thanksgiving plate is filled with a lot of beige types of food, but I just think that this can be and should be better to your point. I I don't see anything that suggests um, an actual barbecue. Like not even in in Andy's, uh, our pal Andy Staples, like smokeout, cookout, barbecue, blah blah blah. Like this does not look like this required anything that was outdoors. And uh, you know, if you grill some dogs, grill some burgers, got some little grill marks on them, maybe you toast the buns. That would do a lot for this meal. That would do a lot for this meal. And. I think also not seeing condiments on this. There, there's just a few different things. I think you want some of those those Martin potato rolls. Those are the the ideal mm-hmm. uh, the ideal bun situation. But again, yeah, I would eat all of that. I would eat all of it. I just do think that if it is, you know, a, a big deal, you actually get an outdoor grill. Use an outdoor grill. Like, let's get some grill marks. Let's actually barbecue or. Yeah. Look out, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Let's let's actually do that. Also, some vegetables. Come on. These these are these are growing young men. We need to we need to get some health in there. Okay. All right. Now you're going a little far. Like it, it, we don't need the vegetables. That's fine. Uh, uh, some <laughs> vegetable. What about like just like even a little side salad? 
I did I'm go like to to maybe a side salad. I did go to uh, a one year old's birthday party a few months ago, and they hired somebody called Mister Hamburger to come over to the house and grill hamburgers in the backyard for fifty to seventy people because it was a pretty big party, and they were delicious hamburgers. So like Michigan could have scaled that. You know, I agree they, with they you. Have they could yeah restaurants that in town that make good food. Including yeah. hamburgers. It's possible that that, you know, maybe after the NCAA violations, they didn't want to go for the hamburger cheeseburger route. Possibly. It's an idea. That would be some galaxy brain. Like if they if they I, were less like, yeah, like if we're, we're not this gonna far. Have... We're spent five minutes deep diving into this. I'm gonna yeah. go there. Why not? But I think I actually am not a hundred percent sure, but I think they did have hamburgers here. That was just his plate. Okay. So uh, he chose. He chose for he the sad chose little to hot go dog. For the the sad hot dog, hot dog. Yeah. That looks okay. like a halftime press box hot dog that you picked up at the end of the third quarter that they left out that's what that looks like that is exactly what it looks like and hey and i'll be honest with you guys i i i've bought i've like eaten a press box halftime hot dog in the fourth quarter before many times many times uh we we will get back to michigan and uh what we've learned in the last few days coming out of reports about ncaa violations and a suspension for jim harbaugh this is a media day recap show for the big 10 I was there in Indianapolis. Um, we previewed this show. We also recorded a lot of it before certain news broke about Northwestern's players not attending and about that suspension, which has not been officially announced. So that was going to always be a limiting factor on what Jim Harbaugh was able to say. But let's start with Northwestern. This was the number one thing that you and I were both interested to see how it, it played out and, and to see what David Braun said what it looked like was athletic director Derek Gregg going to be available. Uh, I'll just set the scene and then, and I'll get your thoughts on what he said. So David Braun ended up being the only person who represented Northwestern and he was walking around by himself, a little bit deer in the headlights and there were no players. And his boss did a pre-taped interview with the big 10 network in the morning and then interview with ESPN.com somewhere in the bowels of the stadium. So he did not like walk across the field. He did not see the hundreds of media folks that obviously a lot of them wanted to hear from him. The podium for David Braun was, was packed. You had him literally just being peppered with questions for 45 minutes straight. And it was a lot for him to answer. And he even talked about how his wife is pregnant she is due her due dates the first day of northwestern's camp and that he woke up kind of dreading what he was gonna have to do sitting in front of the media and kind of you know being sent into the wolves by himself so that he had joked that maybe she could go into labor at like 8 a.m that day and and get him out of this but it was a lot i thought he handled himself incredibly well i think he was trying to really balance being respectful for um the people who have alleged misbehavior and and have said that it has harmed them. And then I think he was also trying to be respect respectful for the players in his locker room who are still very upset that Pat Fitzgerald got fired. And then I think he was just overwhelmed and, and conflicted about all of these mixed emotions related to getting your dream job, like becoming a Division One head coach, but getting it in these circumstances. Uh, so Ari, what, what did you make of, of the whole dynamic about David Braun's performance, the, the notes he hit? What did you think about how he was? You know, Nicole, I'm going to say this, and I don't know if you're going to agree with it, but very rarely in this business do I ever feel bad for a person in his position. I felt bad for him. You know what I mean? Same. Like just watching 100%. it. I don't, I don't know yep. if you were there and got that, but I was just like, he wasn't in the program when this was happening, right? Um, he hasn't even met every single player on his team yet, you know, which is a hard thing to do. People don't realize, like, when you're the, you know, defensive coordinator or you're a coordinator at all and, you know, you're a new hire and you haven't gone through spring ball, that you don't meet everybody. There's 110, 15 people, right? You know, like, it's hard. Um, and then on top of it, having to – discuss something that a he's not aware of having a locker room that's filled with kids who are upset that their coach isn't there anymore and then being thrown into um a media day situation when northwestern hasn't even answered any questions at all for the previous two weeks about it meaning that 
there's blood in the water and the fish are coming for you. Uh, and then when I found out that his wife was due in two or three weeks, I was like, God, that's just a really, really tough scenario uh, for somebody. But uh, on the other side of the coin, being a head coach at, for a football program in the Big Ten is a tremendously good opportunity. Um, he probably wouldn't have drawn it up this way. Uh, but I think that in the long run, this might be something that works out really well for him if things go that well. So um, I, I just like, I think we got some answers, but I think that the answers that we're looking for in terms of context of what occurred, who knew, what happened, all those things, you probably weren't going to be getting those details like just on a on a podium situation from a head coach who was still trying to figure out what went on himself. Exactly. And, you know, he was pressed a little bit about, you know, has he asked players what they witnessed and different things? And yeah. he said no. And he was asked um, again and he said, you know, there are legal reasons he's not going to do certain things. And I get that. I get, you know, some of the other reasons he, he did not say that he had read the entire report and all the testimonies. I sort of wonder if that is in part to then not have to lie. If he got asked about that, you know, like, well, what about this? What about this? And all these details, what do you think of them? And he was able to, to kind of try to separate himself as someone who hadn't been there um, and not get into the weeds on some of this because again the job was already hard enough for him to be the face of this program. In they didn't even moment. hire a coordinator. Like he's the court defensive he, coordinator, right? And that, like that I thought was very interesting. That part because there were a couple of like football related, staffing related questions that we learned that. So he said if this had happened in January, he of course would be hiring a defensive coordinator, but it's too late, and he's going to take that on too. And that was again one of those moments where you just really fell for him, and. Um, as it was happening, you know, I was texting colleagues just being, I feel so bad for him. Or I can't believe that he's doing this because it was so much. And you know what those little podium setups are like. I mean, it, you know, you have what, 50, 60 people just peppering questions. Anytime there's a, there's a pause, you know, eight people are trying to ask a question and he's just up there and he's just trying his best to get through those 45 minutes and move on. But you're right. The people that we want the answers from are the ones who still haven't done a press conference. Like that's the president, Michael Schill. That's the athletic director, Derek Gregg. And we instead, you know, go through a period of what, three weeks of silence, um, some statements, and then you put the interim head coach in this spot and the players, I totally understood why they didn't want to speak and they should not have been the first line of defense in this. They did not need to be the first yeah. ones talking. If it, if so I got into a debate about this, Nicole, and I want to hear your take on it. Yeah. But like my thought process, whenever something like this occurs is the adults who get paid fat checks go first. Like that's, yes. that's my thought. Um, and I, and people, some people were uh, kind of miffed by the Northwestern players wouldn't go to media day. And I, and I remember getting into a, a brief exchange with Dan Wolken on uh, from USA today on Twitter. And he said, well, in this instance, uh, the players were the ones the being accused of what went on with the hazing. And in this case, he would have been fine with them going first. What's your take on that? And um, like, I want to get into that a little bit because it's like, I feel like Braun, you can almost make the case if you're on that train with Dan, that Braun should have been the last to go. I think the adults should have gone first for the same reason you do. Yeah, the I'm adults in the room, they're the ones who made the decision to fire Fitz. They're the ones who we want to know, well, what information changed? Why didn't you read the full report, et cetera, et cetera? Why is it the only person who's lost their job and not any other potential assistant coach, any players that could have been accused of this? There could be players in that locker room who hazed others, you know, and, and to not have those answers. Those are the people who who need to be asked those questions. Um, so I couldn't believe that Derek Gregg was like, you know, again, a pre-taped interview, uh, one interview, but avoiding, you know, he should have done a press conference two weeks ago, three weeks ago. He could have done one there. The players weren't speaking. Just take one of those time slots and just own up to it. But so that wasn't happening. And that I think has been the, the biggest, like, you know, you think about like, uh, you know, PR crisis communications 101, that seems to be the biggest mistake. Um, but I, I think that the players would, they would be asked, they're all, they all would have been upper class and they all would be asked, what have you seen? Do you believe that there's a difference between 
hazing and team building, et cetera, et cetera. There would have been some value there, but you also would have had a lot based on, well, what did you see? What did you know for an hour straight, right? So I understand them not wanting to do that, but there is a dynamic here, which is being unexplored because again, of how limited access to anyone on the record in this program has been about, hey, are there players on this team who have hazed others? Are there players on this team who have been the victims of hazing, right? We've seen in these reports and these uh, lawsuits, lawsuits particularly former players, but the report initially current and former players corroborating things. So for as much as we can talk about, you know, how does a head coach know what's going on? How does a head coach change what's going on? There definitely are questions for the players. I just don't think that they needed to go first. And I think that they, from what I gather, they will be available at fall camp in a couple of weeks. That feels okay. That feels right. I just think that you absolutely start with the adults in the room and you start the, with the adults in the room because they also made a decision to fire the face of their athletic department, their face yeah. of their football history. So they need to go first and answer questions there. So that didn't change with David Braun's press conference, but I, I felt bad for him because I think he bore the brunt of a lot of people questions that really needed to go to other people. Yeah, yeah, I think that the entire PR uh, crisis strategy here was poorly played by Northwestern. And I also feel like there is a something to be said about the longer that you wait, the hungrier the Sharks are going to be when you get to the podium. And you're allowing people to, you know, further organize their questions and, you know, think deeper about it. We've written columns. Everyone's written columns about it. And like really, really like kind of like focus on how you want to attack this, which makes the interview process once you inevitably get there harder. Um, also, too, like you can't hide forever. So you might as well just get it over with as soon as you feel like you can. Now, the, the thing that is difficult is, is that the person who was accounting for everything was the person who wasn't there. Like the, per, like the person who's been at Northwestern for the least amount of time. Um, and granted, it is his responsibility to eradicate whatever remnants of that there are in the program still but also too might not be the most qualified person to even discuss the matter that everybody's dying to discuss. Um, that said too, you know, when Northwestern players are available in fall camp and when Braun talks again during fall camp, which is in two short weeks, um, maybe even sooner. Um, how many people are flying to, to Chicago to go to Evanston? Like, is it just going to be a, 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 I don't know. It's going to be a shit show. It's going to be, really, really hard there too. So, I mean, I think that, you know, the bears come in one way or the other, and it just feels like to me that somebody with expertise in the upper administration, whether it be the athletic director or the school president, somebody has to account for what happened and it shouldn't be the interim head coach who wasn't there. And it shouldn't be an 18 year old kid who might've, or a 21 year old, even if he's an upperclassman that has nothing to do with it or might not know anything about it, you know? Um, also one last final point, Nicole, if there are people on the team who are responsible for the action still, or, you know, people who have been victims of it, like I think identifying that and understanding that should be like the number one course of action for David Braun before fall camp starts. I was a little bit, I don't know, you know, again, there's certain restrictions, maybe legal reasons for these restrictions of, of what you can and cannot do. Um, but eradicating that culture um, when you hire from within should be, you know, step one and step one of eradicating that culture um, is getting to the bottom of who knew what and who saw what. And is there anybody still on this team that did it? Are there victims that we can help? You know, all those sorts of things that you need to do to put that behind you because you can't just go, well, I'm meeting guys where they're at and then being like, well, what if that where they're at is traumatized or where if where they're at is the aggressors of this, you know, like that to me is is a lot to unpack. And I was kind of surprised when he said we haven't asked them those questions yet. Cause it's like, that's the number one question that they're going to get asked. And you might want to be the first person to ask that before somebody from the Chicago Tribune does, you know, like that to me yes. is. Yeah. And, and just to wrap up that point, um, our pal Adam Rittenberg pressed him on that, where he was saying a lot of what Braun had said about the locker room was like, you know, about healing and coming together and, you know, eventually focusing on the season, but you know, a lot of them are hurt and angry because Fitz got fired. And Adam said, well, what about the players in the locker room who may have been the perpetrators of this, who may have been the victims of this, right? Like you can't paint a broad brush and say that everyone mm -hmm. in that locker room thinks 
that this was over-exaggerated and that Fitz shouldn't have been fired, right? So that also comes into play about, you know, what have those conversations been like with those players? So we'll see what happens next. Again, still waiting for the adults in the room to speak. But there are other, uh, let's say... The millionaire adults, I should add. The, yeah, the, those adults. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. There was a number of news stories that popped up right before and right during Big Ten Media Days that had other programs, uh, kind of the, the eye of the storm as well. Let's start with Michigan. We'll get into Minnesota and uh, the front office sports article that, that led to a stir with them as well. But so Michigan. It's, it's just an inevitability, Cole, that we're never, Nicole, that we're never just going to get to talk about football. Like it no. just stinks in no, the sport. We, Yes, and what we we did last week in the preview show, we will eventually we did, get back yeah. to it. Yeah, but these are uh, also these are also storylines that have popped up since since we previewed. So Michigan, um, you know, Austin Meek was there. Uh, he was all over this last week about Michigan expecting a four game suspension for for Jim Harbaugh, and he spoke at media days. Now he wasn't able to say much. Now I guess he could have tried to it might have messed up the negotiated resolution which is like the specific term for the process that michigan and the ncaa are going through where they agree on the facts of the case so it's a little bit smoother you know the penalties aren't usually as severe so the idea is that they you know uh, cop to and agree to okay these things happened and as we all know in this case like the reason that there's a multiple game suspension is because of a lack of cooperation, a lack of saying, yeah, I did this and I apologize. And we all know Jim Harbaugh, that the fact that, that he wasn't willing to do those things makes sense, right? Like that is, that is who he is, that he was going to be stubborn about this. And we also know that the games he's going to miss, not a big deal. Michigan has a soft non-conference this year. Rutgers is the first conference game. So what do you make of, all of this is this actually going to be a problem for Michigan's ceiling? Because when we recorded this before knowing this suspension was coming, we were really high. We said we think they're going to win the Big Ten. We think they're going to do all of these things. You know, how do they match up against CFP contenders? Does the Harbaugh suspension, if it ends up being four games, does that change anything about the way you view the team? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, they're pl- if they played a good team, maybe, but the first four games of the year are against. Uh, teams that they're going to be favored by 30 points over so um, it's going to be a long process and you know as we get more details of how much he's allowed to participate with the team and all that stuff during whatever suspension that they settle on you know that'll be good I think when I was covering Ohio State and uh, Urban Meyer was suspended for those three games at the beginning of the 2019 season I think it was um was it 18? I'm just getting old. Uh, I'm in Columbus right now, Nicole, doing some work for uh, uh, The Athletic, and we're doing a few stops here. And I got to tell you, I feel really, really old. Um, when was the last I, time I, you were there? I was here last summer for fall camp for two mm-hmm. days. But just this time, you know, I had a rental car. I went and saw Bill Landis and met his, his kid and went and drove by some of the places I used to go to and lived at. And <clears throat> My life's changed quite a bit. I got married and have a child and live in Texas now. So it's like when I come back here, it's like I remember when life was the most important thing I had on my plate that day was chicken tenders. You know, like that was that was it. So, um, yeah, so I think that Urban Meyer during his suspension was um, 
still coaching during the week and helping with the game plan and, and formulating that. And then Ryan days. Um, and that was 2018, not 19 uh, Ryan days, three game tryout actually turned out to be the pivotal moment that helped him become the head coach later on. <clears throat> so I'm excited to see like what happens with the week to week things. It's not like he's going to be away from the program. I don't think for four, for a month um, and the games on Saturdays might as well be spring games. So um, that, I don't know. The thing that I'm most interested in, Nicole, with this whole situation is twofold. One, what is it in – I'd love to hear uh, Jim Harbaugh's version on his head of what happened here. Like, you know, if there is a principle to stand on or a fight to be had, what is that principle or fight? Because I don't understand that. I don't think anybody knows what he ha- – like, what do you have to be upset about? You know what I mean? Like, so I'd like to hear if there's a secondary angle to this that we're not considering right now. That would be interesting. And then secondly, uh, why did Jim Harbaugh feel the need to lie if what they did was what it is? You know, it's like 2023. Excuse me. I don't know. I've got the horse throat right now. Um, You know, we view this stuff differently in the NIL era. If you bought a hamburger or you had contact, I mean, I guess I can understand why you might not just want to deal with it. And like maybe the principle in your head is this is so stupid. I'm not even going to discuss it with these people. Um, but if he would have just been like, yeah, I, I walked over there. They were in town. I bought a hamburger. I, I left the tip, whatever. The restaurant is my favorite hamburger in town and just said something Jim Harbaugh-ish about it. Like it wouldn't have been a big deal. So that to me is the two things that I'm most concerned about. And of course, at media day, he can't get into anything. And he said he basically said he wanted to, but he couldn't. I do think we'll get answers to to both of those from him when he can talk. Uh, I don't think Jim Harbaugh's ever shied away from giving his opinion on stuff like this, especially about the NCAA. He's talked about players getting paid and revenue sharing and all of these things, which are not the way the NCAA system is set up. So I I imagine that some of this is a principle of some sort, right? Of you know maybe not believing that this was something that deserved a you know oh my god you broke a rule and didn't deserve punishment and then of course by not cooperating the punishment becomes more so i mean that was something i think we learned with tennessee like i'm actually very interested to see what the um the final report looks like for this one because tennessee's report kept saying like over and over and over normally this would be a postseason ban but tennessee was so helpful we could not have had so much information if Tennessee didn't help provide it. Like they were so, so helpful. And if Michigan is basically getting dinged for not being cooperative, for not being helpful, it's going to be all over the report. And I think that's where, you know, again, stubbornness or whatever the principle is that he's sticking onto on this, um, that we will hear more about. That's where that's coming from. Because again, I think the actual violation itself if you you know admit to it apologize Mm -hmm. you know cooperate as much as possible probably not getting a four-game suspension but there has to be be guardrails for like not breaking the rules but like when you really break that down of the ncaa would normally penalize you for breaking the rule but because you were so helpful in telling us exactly what happened we're not going to do that that's where they are now but that's where they are ari the case then why even have the rule it's like it seems like oversight and it's like oh we just want you to be honest you can break the rule we won't penalize you as long as you're honest well it's like oh, so well then what are you doing here so so i i this is just the era that we're in with this because i do think you've you've dealt with like a lot of times where there's been overreach or there's been like five years later you get hit with massive penalties and like no one who was remotely tied to it is still at the school I think it's more like Tennessee did get penalized. Like they did get an $8 million fine, which is not chump change, no matter what people were saying about it. Um, but it's a penalty were... that nobody who likes the sport gives a shit about. Like, that's the thing. Like anybody who like likes Tennessee, you know, the, all they care about is right, their football but... team, the recruiting sanctions, and whether they get to play in a bowl. Right. Uh, they can, and they that's did, all they funny did, money to us. They did have some recruiting penalties, but I think where the NCAA is going, we can save this for a whole different show is they do want you to cooperate, and then they're trying to figure out ways to penalize people where you're penalizing the adults in the room and you're penalizing their pockets. So if that doesn't sound like enough to deter you know, behavior to fans, that might not be the intended audience. It might be like the mm-hmm. actual athletic department 
saying you can't do this. Like we're we tired don't, of paying. We can't pay this over and over if you're just going to keep breaking rules. Or like Jeremy Pro did did get a show cause. Like there was just like a whole yeah. system set up, and like that was bad. But I like and I'm it was far more severe than what happened at Michigan. So we have to far make that more, distinction yeah. whenever far we more. lump those two things in, because like that to me, it's like there was the report was thicker than the Bible at Tennessee. Like it this is, the, you know, it's like it's hard. Have, they literally put out the press release. They're like hundreds of violations, right? Yes. Like so, those are not directly comparable. I just think from a thematic standpoint, the idea that Tennessee opened their books basically and gave them all this information is the reason they didn't have multi-year bowl bans and multi like that there wasn't like just you know there i don't think there would ever be a death penalty again but like that it wasn't massive massive and like you know just yeah. pull and hurt all of these tennessee players that were not there when this stuff happened so that we can have a whole new show we should have a show on this on like what is punishment how do you change people like why have rules but that's kind of where you get into with talking about the Michigan situation. Um, and again, I'll, I'll be very interested when Harbaugh is is actually able to to talk about that. And I think in terms of Michigan fans, um, they're not too worried about this. I think if Texas were on the non-conference schedule this year, that would be a much bigger concern. But I think everyone still feels good about their roster. Um, I know, you know, Bruce has a piece out on The Athletic on Monday wondering is you know is michigan built to win a national championship and, and i'm the lead of that be... story when you read it just so you know are you i'm actually it's the first time in my life that like my name and who i am is the lead to the oh, story god I mean, uh, he called how... me in advance to <laughs> let me know i read it it's fine it's not but basically it just goes ari wasserman thinks this and here's why oh he's my wrong. god <laughs> well that's a good tease to go read this but so yeah you know again i think the idea of like a national championship caliber team Still there. Everything we talked about last week in terms of the roster, still there. Let's switch gears to something new. Um, Ari, this was an interesting wrinkle in, in media day world um, and something that the reporters are out. Everyone had been hearing rumors that there was going to be some sort of Minnesota story dropping from front office sports. Hey, Nicole, I don't mean to interrupt you. I'm so sorry. I do this sometimes. But can we do two minutes before we get into Minnesota on like whether or not you think the rivalry game should move? Because like sure. I thought that that was like a. If I were on the beat at Ohio State, I would have been like, really gung ho about writing about that because I think that that's actually a football thing that people care about. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to hijack it, but I think that that's important. Um, hijack away. So give me your uh, thoughts. And then because like Minnesota, we'll get into after I promise. But um, I don't think they should move the game. I really, really do not think they should move the game. And I don't know if I'm a traditionalist. I'm certainly not. I like uniforms. I like, you know, big, big 10 championship game. I like the playoff. Uh, you know, I like a lot of the stuff that's changed. I like NIL. I like, you know, I'm, I'm not one of these people. It's like the game has to be the same as it was in 1960 and nothing else matters, you know, like that. But like, I think that like, is it nothing sacred anymore? Like is nothing sacred it's like that game is supposed to be the last game of the year. And I understand that they're going to have, you know, big 10 championship games and there aren't going to be divisions anymore. And there's going to be a lot of years where those two teams are the last two standing in the final week of the year. But it's like, you can't move that game to make it some weird game in, in the beginning of October. Can you like, it doesn't make sense to me. And even in the weird years where they will play twice and maybe it'll be more often than not. Hey, maybe it might even be five out of 10. I mean, that's, you know, kind of just the way it's been traditionally, Ohio State, Michigan, and everybody else. You don't think that when those two teams play on the field at the end of the year that they're going to try to win the game at, at the very, you know, apex of who they are? Like, I don't understand this notion, especially coming from Ryan Day saying we have to have a discussion about it. I can't even believe the man said it publicly. Even if you believe that you there should be a discussion about it, I can't believe the coach of Ohio State would even say that. Um, and then the next day, Jim Harbaugh with a chance to be like, we're not moving the game ever, you know, and being like Jim Harbaugh also was like on Ryan Day's team of like, we'll talk about it. And it's like, who am I taking crazy pills? Like, this is like, like, how could you possibly move that? Like, why are we talking about this? My reaction was very similar right out of the gate. That's what I'm laughing about because I said that I couldn't believe one of the head coaches in this series. How could you even say that? Said that. That this wasn't like some columnist making the case or something. That this was the the, the coach themselves saying yeah. we need to look at this. 
And I get why. Like, I get fundamentally, like, my brain can it can understand why you don't want to play a team twice in two weeks. But I love rivalry weekend at the end of the year. I love that you build up your whole season to play your rival. And you're supposed to be peaking in late November. You're supposed to be peaking heading into the postseason. And that it matters. And that it does something. And you and I both talked about this. But, like, the fact that last year it was supposed to knock the loser out of the playoff. And they eventually got back in. It didn't diminish anything in the moment, but it diminishes a little bit looking back on the season. And I know that that's something that's probably going to happen a lot more in an expanded playoff that both teams will have a but chance how did to it still make the playoff because they could have played again. I'm saying because it didn't ruin their season, which is what your stance on all of this is that you love. Oh, oh it didn't the ruin meaning, their season. Right. The meaning like, of the regular season and the fact that one game like that can ruin your season. It didn't yeah, ruin a high right, right about season. that. It, it, but so it is something already, that everybody in the city that I'm in can't sleep at night because of. Yes, exactly. So it doesn't doesn't fully do that. But um, I don't really have an issue. I, I've never wanted this game to get moved. The only time that I even thought about it was the COVID year when you knew that there were going to be cancellations yeah. and reschedules. And that was the only one where I said I would put that game week one because then you have the entire yeah, season to reschedule it. But otherwise, I have never thought about moving that game. And I I do hope it stays where it is, despite the fact that you could have back-to-back matchups. I just yeah. I, I, The idea of building your whole season up to that game is so compelling, so important. Um, I, I hope that that doesn't happen. But And now it's just another peril of the expanded playoff that everybody loves so much. Because they're saying, oh, it's an expanded playoff. Actually, uh, though, d- Ari, this is more just about getting rid divisions, of divisions. I know, I know, but like, still, it's just like if you thought that last year's was even a little diminished, that was in the fourteen field. It it's going to happen every single year now. It wasn't diminished in the moment. It was just looking back. It didn't knock that team out. But and now, right. for the rest of the rivalry, no matter when you play the game, the team that loses that game will not be out. It'll never matter again the way that it did before. That's like to me. Like I think that- it's still. You think that the years where one of the team, the, you know, a team or both teams were not in the national championship race or not maybe even going to play for a Big Ten title, that those gold pants don't matter? I don't know the last time those two teams played where at least one of them wasn't in the national championship or Big Ten championship. Oh, there have been years. Like, I can't remember like the last time though. When was the last time? I don't have it I, all. Honestly, I don't. I, I mean, it's Michigan been, was. It's been. It's been decades. I mean, Michigan so, was really down the years that I were in school. I was in school the Rich Rod era, and I mean, it's still what meant years something. Was, were you in school? Oh seven to eleven. Okay, so that was like the Tatgate era. So yeah. I guess like there was one Those, year there yeah. probably when they there wasn't went much Ohio to play State, for. the Luke Fickle year, maybe. You know, yeah. yeah. There, there wouldn't have been much that, to play for, but it still mattered to, to beat Michigan. But I'm not so going to, but like, if we're going to change the rules because we, or change where the game is because we think of what might happen um, in the future based on their successes, like in the results, then how could we act like the one year out of the last 30 where both teams stunk? Like, it's the rule that we have to, all, you know, like account for. Like that. I know. We're, we're, we're in agreement here, Ari. I, I just think. It was shocking. I just want you to say the expanded playoff sucks one time. I will you never know, I'm gonna do that. Get, it's going to happen one day. I'm going to get you. I don't that know how, will, but I'm going to get you. We have to move on and talk about Minnesota. <laughs> My last take real quick. Yes. I think that if they do move the game, and I hope they don't. I really, really, really hope they don't. But if they do, the only thing that I think that they could do to make it feel okay is to move the game to week one. And if they play the game in the first week, then you have the entire buildup of the summer and the offseason back up to that game. And then, of course, if there is a rematch, which inevitably will probably be the case because those two teams will always be very good, then it's at the end of the year again. And you kind of have those bookends. Um, that's my thought process. And maybe I'll write a column about it. But like I, I, I think that you could make a case for that. Yes. Yeah, they're both healthy. They're both fresh. They're ready to go week one whatever it is, and then whatever happens, you have an entire football season left to build up back to the rematch if that occurs. Like, that's my thought. But I, I just don't think that they should move it at all, and I don't think that we should, you know. Also, too, Penn State's good. USC's coming in. Michigan State has good years. 
it's not going to happen every single year. So, okay. I just wanted to like have a brief discussion about it before we like, you know, little football, a little fun. And then now we're back down into the, you know, yeah, into there the was of, of scandal here. But, yeah. And allegations that, that a team needed to defend. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So just briefly, uh, there was a front office sports story about this. Our Scott Dockerman wrote about PJ Flex response to it um, and pushback. He called the accusations baseless. Basically, it was about the culture. There was a lot about stuff that we already know and college football fans would already know about rowing the boat and a lot of the acronyms that, you know, are kind of mantras, uh, mantras, mantras, mantras within the football program, um, there was a bit about uh, a fleck bank and the idea that if you did community service and did other things, you built up such goodwill that you could like fail a drug test, which PJ pushed back on in person and said that that was just like the idea of like doing a lot of good things for yourself, like is is putting coins into your fleck bank, like it wasn't a real thing. Um, and then there was some allegations of like punishing players for being late or doing something wrong with extra punishment and that sort of retaliation. But it it was a, the story was uh, I think framed in a strange way. It just sort of felt devoid of context of how college football programs Mm -hmm. are run. And I think a lot of people reacted that way to this, that they're, you know, again, there were a couple things that they wanted answers on, but that they weren't going to treat this as like another Northwestern. And one thing that I thought was interesting um, was so Josh Pate said on his podcast that he spoke with Fleck recounted the discussion. This has been something that was peddled behind the scenes for a little while. Almost, almost what he was saying was we knew the allegations were there. It's just that they finally found someone to run with it. What did you make of the allegations, the story itself, PJ's defense reaction, any of that? Um, that if there was actually a Fleck bank, um, that, people deposited into with whatever actions or and that that got them out of failed drug tests that that could be a fireable offense um that seemed like very 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 serious but also too that like i read the story and at the end of it really didn't know what was going on um so that doesn't mean that there aren't pillars or pearls in that story that might ring true but um I was just pretty conflicted of like, I didn't feel like I had a good grasp of, of the reporting and like what the actual issue was uh, when I was done. Is that a fair criticism or am I just an idiot? Yeah. No, that, that was, that was basically where I was too. And again, that's why I was kind of like the framing, uh, you know, I felt like most of that story is stuff PJ will just tell you <laughs> within five meeting, five minutes of meeting you um, about how, the culture and the way that they do things in that program. And that is what you sign up for. Like there was something that said, like he was like a cult like figure and it's like, well, yeah. Have you met PJ Fleck? Like that is how that program runs. That's how he operates. Like I will tell really you though, buy into him. It is my life goal 
that if I walk into a room, everybody screams and claps for me everywhere I go. What about every podcast? Should we start with a round of applause? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Any, any, if I walk into a room, you better stand up is what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Like that's, <laughs> that was, that was a funny part. I enjoyed that quite a bit, but yeah, ultimately I do think, um, I don't know that this is going to become a big thing. Um, I think there was enough kind of skepticism about the the reporting, uh, the framing, the pushback uh, was strong. And there wasn't a lot of details. You know, it didn't say exactly how many players had said things. You know, we'll see if it advances further. But um, I do think when Josh mentioned that this is a story that had been kicking around for a couple of years, that is definitely true. Um, there have been rumblings and people trying to get people to pick this story up for a while. So we'll see what comes next there. But uh, that was just kind of a strange wrinkle is the way that I've been referring to that. And again, if there's if there's mm -hmm. more and if there's things that can be corroborated, again, getting out of drug tests for something because you've literally accumulated points from going to church or community service like that, uh, that stuff is absolutely great. Yeah. investigated and further. But um, for where we are right now, as we record this on July 31st, um, that's, that's kind of all I've got uh, on that one. And, and when I Ari said that's great, I didn't mean that the behavior was great. I meant that what you were saying was great. Just what, yeah. like that didn't sound right. That's totally fine. Um, but Ari, but before we go, we got to touch a little bit on Tony Petiti. This is someone that we wanted to hear from last week, the new commissioner whose job probably got a lot more interesting right after media days when Colorado sure. left the PAC sure. 12 for the big 12. So, you know, we could, we could go on this for hours. I, I want to keep it, you know, fairly concise, but um, give me your thoughts on, on the tone he struck. And if you think that there is going to be an impact with what's gone on in the PAC 12. Um, I thought it was a good tone. Um, kind of what I would have expected. I, my whole take on expansion, Nicole is I don't like the waves of it. Like every few months, and then it's quiet, and then there's another wave. You know, you can, if you're watching the video, I'm like doing something with my arm that indicates a wave. Just get it over with. It's like, I feel like it's inevitability that the Big Ten is going to try, uh, or at least there's going to be a discussion at some point from one side or the other that Oregon and Washington want in. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with some of the other schools on the on the East Coast that want into the SEC or vice versa. I, I don't know. But just like, let's just do it. We, it's, it's inevitable. It's happening. More stuff's coming. Um, it might take years. I don't know how long it's going to take, but let's just do it and just get onto the system that we're going to arrive at because I just find it to be exhausting. I don't know. Maybe I'm like the only person, but like, I just don't know if like fans are obsessed with it because they want to know if their team is going to get left out. And it's a very important discussion, but like, I hate the entire existence of it. And I feel like every single time we have expansion or, they make the playoff bigger or they get rid of divisions or they allow teams into conferences that they weren't in that we're just like changing the sport too quickly and too drastically. And I'm just afraid of what's going to be left at the end of the road. I agree, especially at this junction, it feels like we know what's coming and it's the super conferences. Just do it. Yeah, we know it's, it's like, you don't have to do it but in the 10 year period, but that's the, that's where it's like, it, a lot of the things that people love about this are going to go away that haven't already gone away. This is when you talk about like people, we, we did go through this two years ago. The big 12 is the big 12 going to collapse and are they going to survive? And we're in the same conversation with the PAC 12, but it feels more perilous because it's taken a year plus and there's no media deal. And you just lost, you know, one of your worst members, least valuable members to, to the big 12 is the whole thing going to implode. Like those are real questions. And then you just couple in the fact that, you know, okay, like what's Florida state up to, they seem to be up to something. Are they going to give notice to leave the ACC? What else could happen out there? It doesn't end. And having gone through this now three summers in a row, there's always that period after one move happens. And then it's just like this rampant speculation for a week straight, maybe a month straight. This, you know, again, if there's counter moves, if there's other reactions. If Arizona does something, uh, again, if Florida State does something like that might happen sooner because these are things that aren't out of the blue. These are conversations that have been had, but it becomes 
a frenzy. And I hate that part because I think that that gives so many people so much anxiety, you know, whose livelihoods depend on working where they work or work or, or like the existence of certain conferences and those schools and their identities. Like, like to imagine not having a West coast power conference is just like depressing to me, but yeah. you also have, like, like you said, all the fans, everyone wants to know what, what where is my school? What are we positioned? Okay. Are we, you know, are we mm -hmm. wanted or are we going to be left behind? It's such a stressful period. And I get why there's speculation. I get why there's become, you know, cottage industry on the internet of people um, speculating around this stuff and, and looking for, uh, you know, tidbits and, and things to go off of and, and to, to figure out what's happening. And we all try to do that too. We're on the phones all day this time of year when this stuff happens, but I've just stopped predicting because it's hard. You know, the, the only time when you know stuff's really happening is when people go silent on you. So then it becomes a little bit even harder to predict. And I'm with you. I just, I miss college sports, not even like, Oh, the olden days, but even just, 10 years ago when things kind of stopped after Maryland and Rutgers or whatever, right. Where it was just like, it wasn't this existential crisis for everyone every day. And there's just major fears about, you know, being $30 million behind your in-state rival. We're driving, you know, kind of some frantic decision-making. I, you know, I think a lot of people were expecting or probably hoping that the PAC 12 would get a deal done earlier this summer, lock it in, Everyone signs like a five or six year commitment brand of rights. And then this gets tabled for a few years. And then that didn't happen. Colorado leaves and it creates a lot more questions than there are answers right now. And so it is going to be fascinating to track, but we certainly are trending in the direction where, you know, conferences are getting bigger. Conferences are the rich are going to get richer and people are going to get more desperate if they want to be at the highest level of college sports. We're going to possibly see some creative ways for people to make that happen. I'm with you 100. Uh, percent And you know, as we get more context and clarity, you know, we'll talk more about it. But like, it's August 1st when you're listening to this, which means football, baby. And hopefully, the next time we co-host. A podcast nicole will be talking about it but i thought that was good yeah i agree and i hope that we will talk about more football as a reminder this is until saturday the athletics college football podcast be sure to follow us apple spotify wherever you listen to your podcasts that way new episodes reach you as soon as they happen you can also follow us on youtube hit subscribe so you will know when new videos are published there will be a mix football realignment uh, conference previews, quarterback previews, lots of content coming your way this month. So be sure to be where we are and we will talk to you again soon.